<laughs> hello, hello, and welcome to the Rock Metal Podcast. I am your host, John Harris. On my right-hand side is my right-hand man, Gabriel. And today on the Rock Metal Podcast, we have Martyr Art, who has a new EP called Through Sound Waves Volume 2, which was released well, at the time of recording now, but a couple of weeks ago on June 8th via Bleeding Hand Sound Recordings. Right now I'm being joined by Joe to share some more information about what he has got going on. So, Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, guys. <laughs> you are quite <laughs> welcome, my good man. Now, I guess this dissolve creates a big question because for anybody who is listening in and is not entirely familiar with Martyr Art, they're probably going Volume 2. Okay, well, what's Volume 1? And so I guess take us through through the intention anyway of through Soundways volume two what was through Soundways volume one and with that what what are we listening to or what are we chatting about what is volume two uh let's see well, volume two um it's a continuation of a four-part series of covers and ideas and songs some originals too that are kind of like laying a foundation for the eventual uh, two-part original album uh, at the core of darkness part one and part two, which will be released in June, 2021 and January, 2022. So this is, you know, kind of, it's also kind of like a rebranding like musically um, sonically and just, you know, exploring more like horror elements of, you know, like the eighties uh, horror that I love. And then goth industrial metal, like really focusing in, um, on my sound, especially in production and even like composing originals on both volumes so far. Um, cause previous to that, I would kind of go all over the place and it was kind of like, you you would, from one song to the next, it'd kind of be so different that it'd kind of be a little too much uh, to kind of take in all at once sort of thing. Things would get lost in translation, really. So with the Through Soundwave series, it's like, let me just do like four to six songs, really focus in on what I want to do at this specific point in time. And this is kind of like, a, in a sense, like an echo or a reflection of what's going to come in an original form further down the line. Wow. You, it sounds like this is all premeditated murder on the, on the ears. Pretty much. <laughs> there's a lot of, I did have resting murder face. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there's a significant amount of like very calculated dates here. Cause you mentioned that you got the two part original album coming in June, 2021. And I think it's a January, 2022. Uh, That's correct. And then I've got here that the, the four part series, uh, through Soundways, Volume 1, 2, 3, and 4, we have three coming in October 2020 and four coming in February 2021. It almost makes me think like you have a basement loft. I don't know if that's a possible thing. Basement loft, quite a thing. But you've got this, sp <laughs> this space somewhere that you're hiding all of these songs, and you're like, you'll see daylight soon. I don't know. It's yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's like, and it's like I'm doing, you know, like, so... Two days ago, three days ago, I actually figured out uh, what I'm going to do for volume three. 
you know, like what songs, what interludes, like what the main focal point is. I'm actually doing a custom guitar rap on one of my eight string guitars to actually reflect part both three and four. So I'm doing both the three and four at the same time and then splitting up the releases, uh, which is going to be very much, um, you know, in line with like a nightmare in Elm street, like the, uh, like the soundscapes created in the, the original film. Mm-hmm. Um, but then kind of like metal lot, you know, incorporate metal and like, like Hitchcock inspired atmosphere where it's just like, there's tension building, tension building, and then it'll, it'll blast into a cover song. Um, and then, uh, I'm going to have an original that's actually going to appear on at the core of darkness on the release as well. So it's like, it's kind of slowly merging into that next phase, which is going to be those uh, two original albums. But uh, as far as having accessibility, I have my own, you know, studio set up in my apartment. And while I'm doing all these EPs and working on the album, I'm also going back through my back catalog and remastering, re EQing and slowly re-releasing those. Um, even going all the way back to like when I was 18 or 19 and that when that's all completed, it's going to be like a 20 disc set where I'm going to do like a super limited edition, uh, box set. And then one through sound waves, one through four is done. That's going to be its own little box set as well. And then there's other stuff that's going on before F core darkness. Okie dokie. Now, something you mentioned, <laughs> okie dokie, you, you mentioned, yeah. uh, you know, make Nightmare on Elm Street metal, and I immediately thought of the soundtrack to Nightmare on Elm Street, which is none other than Dawkin. Yeah, volume, uh, part three, yeah, uh, Dream Warriors. <laughs> exactly, I don't know how much more metal you can get blasting the dude back to hell with a guitar solo. I know, right? And I was like, I, I even, when I, was a, when I was a kid, I actually had a, a George Lynch guitar. I didn't even know it was a George Lynch guitar because someone painted over it. Yeah. And, um, bastards. There was this, yeah, there was this, I guess it was like, like this guy was like really religious and like got like really offended by the artwork, which was like skull and crossbones and fire and it looked like hell. And he painted like triangles and squares all over it. So back in the 90s, there was this thing called QRBs, like quickly restores beauty. And you would like, peel off the paint and then it would take the finish off and then you could stain it a different color. So I was going to do like a blood red stain. But when I pulled the paint off, it just unveiled itself. I was like, what the fuck is going on? And I looked it up and I was like, it's a custom George Lynch guitar. And I'm like, Oh my God, I got this for like 200 bucks at a local music shop. And they had no idea. Wow. Now that is a good story. I'll I mean, send you the photo. Yeah, well, please do, my good man. I'm a big, massive George Lynch fan. I even listen to Dawkins now, and I'm like, man, that is crushing guitar tone. And, you know, I always like to point out those modern metal amps. How much metal did we grow up listening to that was not made on a 5150 or a rectifier? Because they hadn't been invented yet. Oh, yeah. You know, it was... I even had, for when I was younger, I had a, a Dawkins sort of... Uh, a mixed VHS sort of video mix sort of thing that they officially released where it's like into the fire dream warriors. And then like them in Japan, like touring, like when they were like really blowing up, um, 
and then like they had interviews and they showed his guitar rig that he would bring with him into the um the hotel rooms that was like a rack mount unit and i'm like and he's just like ripping on guitar and stuff like that it's just like the, one of the coolest things i ever saw you know and it kind of reminded me of the like metallica year and a half in the life of which was you know went even further with that concept yeah now it's all just a micro pedal that you carry around in your carry-on yeah like <laughs> at this point when i'm like the, the past two recordings i've been doing like for the most part unless i'm using a wah on a solo i'm pretty much using i'm building profiles in my pro tools rig and using uh neural uh guitar uh neural abasi guitar uh mods um amp mods and uh yeah, just dialing it in. So, but then, you know, I still have my little custom pedal board. So when I do play live or, you know, for other weird sounds. Yeah. Yeah. Now, aside from what it sounds like, this guy with, you know, who didn't like the guitar, it sounds like to me like he gave up the perfect drug. So, I, <laughs> something that you mentioned is that you've got some covers on the tracks. So obviously, uh, you know, like industrial metal, Nine Inch Nails definitely does come to mind. But I guess I'm curious, why gave up the perfect drug, and why on through Soundwaves Volume Two? How did you feel that what this EP needed as a body of work to be complete is this particular Nine Inch Nails cover gave up the perfect drug? Hmm. Well, the funny thing is, like, I don't know, uh, four or five <laughs> years ago, I. Uh, I, I was going through like like Trent Reznor made all these stems available for his uh, his previous recordings, so you could download and like single out his multi track, so you could hear a programming track on one song, or you could just hear vocals, or you could hear guitar or drums or whatever. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna do like four or five different covers, you know, learn what he did do my own version and then get rid of the stems or whatever. So for, I don't know, two years or so, I was like, I'm going to do March of the Pigs. Cause that is just, you know, playing live. Like people will like that. And that's just a balls out metal song. And the closer and closer I got to recording or after I did volume one, I was like, I think that idea kind of just ran its course because I also research covers that I'm going to do. I research and listen to other versions. And if I think someone's already done a better version than I can do, then I abandon it. And I'm just like, you know, I, I don't think I could really put my own spin on it or I can't, I don't think I can put my own sort of, uh, or interpret it really. So gave up was kind of, you know, there is a little bit more room. Like I could like add in like kind of like a, Kill 'em all inspired guitar solo that works with the chord progression and like the sort of speed metal vibe of uh, Gave Up. And as far as the song The Perfect Drug, um, I fell in love with that song. First time I ever saw the music video on MTV back in the day. Um, and I just got to the point when with the Gave Up song, I'm like, I don't want to end it the same way as the original. I'm like, how the hell do I make these work? I'm like, okay, well, you know, I figured out a transition, which 
was kind of like the breakdown of the original perfect drug and then that just led to the ending so so it's kind of like you're going through a roller coaster of insanity <laughs> and then it finally uh you know resolves at the end mm-hmm. beautiful now one of the other tracks we're going to chat about today is the current subsides and uh one of the things i actually loved it because you mentioned you know soundscapes and that you do a lot of the, the recording and whatnot yourself and um something i really dug especially as a mix engineer is the the stereo percussive effect whatever it is that you've got going on uh in the beginning of the song and then right in the middle in this you know space that's available because of what's going on on the sides you have a monaural guitar at least one or two i can't remember um but I just loved how you just like, here's your lane, stick to it. And then you've got this, you know, motion. Speaking of a current, uh, this motion going on in the sides that is just absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that all kind of just, uh, I didn't really think of it. It just kind of pretty much, um, as, you know, I came up with the basic arrangement and whatnot, like in maybe half an hour, I, uh, heard about a friend of mine who i went to high school with um he passed away and so that kind of you know it's like jesus you know like we're still young (laughs) you know and so that kind of bummed me out and as in every aspect of my life music's always been there so it's like so you know creation through music um to kind of help with that and then I didn't really think of anything of it, but then I was just like, I think there's something more to it. So then I started scribbling some lyrics that are in reference with the you know, the future album. And then it just like, I was just kind of building pieces. So I recorded rhythm guitars, the distorted guitars, and then just put in some percussion, then check the drums and just like started building layers and layers and layers. And then, started editing backwards to just kind of cut out any sort of lagging sort of, you know, I, I I try to like get the most out of what I'm doing, like per measure. It doesn't necessarily mean, um, like filling it with as many notes as possible, but it's got to have purpose. So if the purpose of that, that section of song is just like hanging on a chord putting some water samples from two years ago and then going right into the, the heavy aspect of the song, then like, that's what it needs. I love the fact that you said, you know, it's got to have a purpose. I just imagined like an angry dad being like, you know, you're a great child. I just want you to have purpose. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Flax the newspaper and goes back to reading. Uh, yep. what's new in the world, dad? I don't know. Hopefully you having some purpose. <laughs> goes goes back to reading. Yeah. <laughs> and then and, and then what? the and then the current subsides. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. But it's like but I think that's too like going like through Sandway is like kind of an idea too. It's like I'm reflecting on my musical past, trying to learn from my own mistakes, so whatever I do in the future is maybe more concentrated and doesn't lose focus like that's kind of like my ultimate goal really you know it's like really like to push myself um even i think between volume one and volume two or through sound ways i think it's like 
it's already a little bit of a difference. Even just my guitar tone and the way I'm doing double stereo guitars as opposed to left and right pan with a center solo guitar track. You know, I think right there that kind of already enhances the dynamics of the songs. Mm-hmm. Now, something you mentioned was you've got an eight string guitar. You've also mentioned uh, the Abbasy uh, stuff, but interestingly enough, I guess there's like a guitar tone that I have in my head that when I think of eight string guitar, I think of a very particular guitar tone, which is very digenti. Uh, but I don't get that from your stuff, so I'm I'm terribly curious how you go about approaching the eight string, where obviously it sounds like you're tuned to like drop Q sharp, but you know it doesn't sound to me like a typical eight string guitar player would. Right. Does that make sense? No, thank you. Yeah. yeah, no, that totally makes sense, and I, I appreciate that. That's uh, that that takes a lot of you know to kind of uncover that. You know, um, oddly enough, like I'm, you know, corn, you know, with the seven strings. I mean, corn, Fear Factory, Mashuga, you know, they're really awesome with what they did and how they pushed the boundaries of guitar. And then Mashuga went to the eight strings, and then Fear Factory went to eight, eight strings. But I was just like they were still expensive when they were switching over. Right. And then, and um, I was for a long time, I was a six string guitar player, but I had three different live guitars, one for standard one and a half steps down, which is like C sharp. So it's kind of like, I think hate breed uses that stem tuning. Then I had drop one and a half steps plus drop B, which is like machine head. Um, think first album slipknot like that sort of tuning and then i had one and a half steps down plus drop f sharp which i think the closest recording that had that tuning was uh limp biscuit nookie even though he played like a weird four string guitar i just did a six string version of it so it got to the point where i was just like what the hell i can't do anything and my tone just sound i always felt like my guitar tone sounded like crap and somehow came across a video of Tosin Abbasi from Animals as leaders. And I was just completely blown away. Like I had never heard a guitar player like that. I had never heard a guitar tone like that. I was just like on every front. And I'm like, and he's playing an issue. I'm like, what, what am I missing? Like, I need to, I need to make this happen. So it actually took me a while before I even got a seven string, which then I was just like, after a year of a seven string, I'm like, I, I just need to go to nature. But I had to figure out how I was going to make the tunings work so I didn't have to tune between different songs and also think long-term about my tuning setup where it would, al- it would actually allow me more opportunities to do something unique, I guess, for me down the line. So my current setup is <laughs> it's F-sharp, so, so from like the first string all the way to the lowest string, it's F sharp, C sharp, G sharp, E, F sharp, B, F sharp, B, F sharp, or something like that. I don't know. It's super crazy. Um, <laughs> actually, yeah, let me just double check that. Is it? Yeah, F sharp, C sharp, G sharp, E, F sharp, B, F sharp, B. And, uh, or F sharp. 
flip the F sharps and the Bs. I'm I'm still waking up. Uh, but as far as guitar tone, like the, the tonality of it, I I've had like one real amp in my life, and that was a uh, Crate full stack. That's not a real amp. I, that's a Crate. Get out of here. I know. Right. Right. Yeah. I know, right. It's like a, <laughs> it's a half stack, and then I got tw- two twelve inch subs, and this was back in my uh, previous band. But it always sounded like shit to me. Because it's a crate. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I know, right? Oh, dude, I always wanted the blue voodoo so bad. I'm like, ugh. But, uh, but I was never happy with guitar tones through guitar amps. And then I was playing through bass amps, and I'm like, this is much better. But I was just kind of, I don't know, like having to rely on an amp where like you can't, like I like the idea of being able to recall a specific sound at any moment. Like, you know, working with like the GT, the Boss GT8 uh, multi-fence processor, like that did a lot for me. Like early records, like uh, Our Beauty Cast Volume Two, Volume Three, um, and it was great that I could build in patches and go like song banks or even album banks. But I did like the sound of playing a guitar through a bass amp. So then, then I was just like trying to reverse engineer, like how do I do that and replicate that sound closely, but using guitar simulated caps. So it was just a lot of uh, tweaking and geeking out, and just you know, just like researching, like oh, Peter Steele's a bass tone, and Jason Newstead's bass tone, and. Tosa Navasi's guitar tone and the Black Album guitar tone, and then just throw in some Kirk Cobain chorus on there, and then that's kind of that's kind of what like I've kind of hit, you know, or at least got close to. I think. Well, I mean, at least one of us has then heard Jason Newstead play the bass. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, on, on later albums they mixed him in, uh, but uh, I know, right. Uh, but no, if you listen closely on the Black Album, you can actually hear him and the dude thunders. He definitely does. Uh, a lot of respect. Oh, the Black Album, he's, he's right there. And Justice for All, it's like, you gotta like, the only way I've been able to hear his bass guitar is on vinyl. Interesting. Okay. Very cool. And that that doesn't make sense because technically you lose, I think, anything from like 40 hertz or below or 50 hertz below. So it's maybe because it's 180 gram and it's you're getting more... Uh, more of the sound wave within the needle. I don't know. It'll take more of the woof away from the guitars that are would be otherwise covering it up on the sides of the stereo as it monos that roughly 40 to 50 hertz. And then as it becomes more mono, you can then probably hear more of the 1 to 3K where the bass would poke through anyway. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Audio engineer. What? Hey, <laughs> I, I, I learned something. Uh, yeah, yeah. Cool, but I mean that definitely works. I mean it makes sense because Fender Bassman is one of the uh, top clean guitars, uh, or clean amp, amps for clean guitar sound. But it's a bass amp, and uh, you know even years ago I remember finding that out by accident because I was going to go play a gig and I had like a Zoom pedal with me, and this shows you how old mm-hmm. I am. Five oh five, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing sounded wretched through anything, and it, obviously it will, but I remember I got there, and they said that they would have a backline for us, and all they had was a bass amp, and I plugged into it, and I was like, huh, 
huh, this thing can sound good. Yeah. And then basses through guitar amps is also another way to, speaking of getting the bass to cut through, if you need a really nasty distortion sound, consider a guitar amp for a bass. Yeah. Who knew? Oh, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I don't have any physical amps, but I, like, when I'm tracking bass or whatever, I actually run it through my amplitude, and it's a guitar, I think it's a bass head through a guitar cab. You can do anything in the world now. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> anything! All right, now, speaking yeah. of being able to do anything, uh, something that was released uh, earlier in June is, you know, Volume 2 through Soundwaves, and we honestly, we've been chatting quite a bit about the EP and the series of EPs, and you've got a couple of albums uh, coming up. So I guess one of the things that you had mentioned that I want to touch on, you know, before we get into, uh, I guess, any other news would be, you mentioned that you are basically honing in on a sound that will eventually culminate into a two-part original album. And is it late enough in this process for me to ask what direction that is, what you're hoping to do, or is that something that you are leaving yourself open to? That even as of January 2022, you're surprised by what has been released? I think... Like, as far as, like, compositionally speaking, or, like, kind of production, or just, like, in, just, like, over, like, just in general? I guess just in general, or maybe compositionally. Uh, Production-wise, I just believe that you'll eventually, you know, get better and better and better. There's only, that's the only thing. But compositionally, obviously, aside from getting, quote-unquote, better, um, you know, you mentioned you're kind of, like, all over the map and you're narrowing in. So, I guess the question is, what are we narrowing in on? I think it's just finally having an auditory identity. Uh, I guess that's like the only way I could really describe it. I mean, you know, having a sound or whatever, but it's like having a sound and having a, 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 a sonic identity, or not even a sonic identity, but like kind of like, you know, you throw on a type of negative record, right? Like I'm not saying I am anywhere near as good as them, uh, but you know, New York represent and rest in peace. Uh, but you put on a type of negative record and you, you know who it is. Corn puts on, you, you know, you put on a core record, you know what that is. Like I want to, that's like, that's like one of my goals as a musician and as a composer. It's like, even if it's a metal song or there's something that's kind of got influence of, uh, like, uh, pop or acoustic or anything like that. Like it has, like it's, you'll listen to it and be like, oh, that's smarter art, like that sort of thing. Uh, so i focusing in more of an, on an identity. But then within that, there's a spectrum of like, you know, um, light and darkness and just a whole spectrum of musicality that I can kind of weave in and out and then it's all connected. You know, in a, it, if I do it in a certain way, then it's, it, um, it makes sense sort of thing. But as far as like at the core of darkness one and two, it's kind of like in four different pillars of music that it's an overarching storyline between the two, but the way that the compositions are being performed and written, they all, it, it makes sense. Like even if you take the songs out of the series of songs, like the song itself makes sense. It's, it's like its own sort of story within an overarching story. Okay. 
A story within a story, like a dream within a dream. <laughs> it's like Inception. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't know, if you put filet mignon inside of a pastry. Oh, and that's a Wellington. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it was like me going through what I would I think I could ever experience as far as madness in my life. Like the complete low low point of my life, like complete destruction of what I had as a life, like just and it you know, things just being taken away. You know, things out of my control and just kind of left with nothing sort of thing and then building back up from that. And that's kind of you know, without going into super specifics, that's like the whole plot of that album. Yeah. Well I mean you so know when, it gets it gets real dark. <laughs> well, when you love like blood and there's blinding lights and you happen to be the chosen one, sometimes that happens and you just gotta wait for the current to subside. Yeah, and then you run into it at the end of the movie and then you're like, Oh, this is a stage. The world is a stage and or how's that called? The Truman show reference. Yeah. Beautiful. Now, I guess my next question is, this will air probably about a month from now or so, late July-ish. Um, and my question is, because normally we'd be chatting about like tours and festivals and shows and all those wonderful things, uh, but I don't know what's going on with the world right now. Monkeys are running loose in Thailand right now, Joe. <laughs> Do they ha- are they flying, though? Uh, no, they're not flying yet, thankfully. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and we've now had like six earthquakes in North America, one that's, that's actually caused some damage in Mexico. So, you know, who knows if we'll even be alive in July, but assuming <laughs> that we're going to be alive in July. Is there any news that you want to share as far as what you've been up to as, you know, with regard to some behind the scenes? Like, hey, we're on lockdown, but we're still, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, as far as by that point... Um I'm actually going to be having some build videos that I've been doing, uh, like my guitar that I used on the last two EPs and the drum set I'm building for volume three and four and the album. Uh, you know, it's more like kind of just showing like all the crazy stuff I do at home to kind of like make things happen. Um, just finishing up all the, uh, the closure and death, remaster series which is like i think encompasses like 22 years or something like that or 20 years of recordings i've been doing um most of which people have never heard of because i've never released it but yeah i'm just getting everything out there and you know because as a fan of music like i'll dig artists and then like i'll go down the rabbit hole with their discography and maybe i'll be fortunate enough to um, you know, have that same sort of um, appeal for someone else. Okay. Very cool stuff. Well, Joe, unless there's anything else that you wanted to throw out there, I just wanted to thank you for coming on to the Rock Metal Podcast. Yes. Uh, thank you, John. I really appreciate it. It's uh, This was awesome, man. Really kicked ass. Had a great time. And thank you, Gabriel. Thanks for helping out. 